literally on a cable like threatening to pull it she's fine i'm petting her she likes it welcome to twitch of the death nerve a cult movie podcast that takes a deep dive into a different film each episode our wide-ranging discussions will touch on genre culture and the history of psychotronic cinema i'm charles i'm sam i'm john and it's it's funny usually when we cover more extreme films like the untold story face of death caligula even Zero Woman, it seems like we're doing our part to almost rehabilitate the films in a way. We strive to properly express their artistic merits, why we love them, why they should be respected and looked at through a socio-political lens. And despite their places in the pantheon of exploitation cinema, these films and the genres they inhabit should not be disregarded. They deserve a closer examination. But today... We are discussing Italian cannibal films, which are among the most repugnant and vile films ever put to celluloid. They rarely have any redeeming qualities, and if you like these movies and you watch these movies, you are a degenerate freak, a lost soul, a social reject. Sam, how do you feel about Italian cannibal films? Love them. Hell yeah. Is one of the most violent films ever made. There are at least two dozen scenes of barbaric torture and sadistic cruelty graphically shown. If the presentation of disgusting and repulsive subject matter upsets you, please do not view this film. I remember when we were kids, John, you would let me borrow crazy Fulci movies, uh, House by the Cemetery, Zombie. And, and later you'd throw me stuff like Anthropophagus and like the classy Argento Giallo films. But I'll, I'll never forget when you lent me your Cannibal Holocaust bootleg VHS tape. I, I put it on with a neighbor friend one night. It was after we watched like a Critters sequel or something. And we were like, let's watch another movie. And I guess the reason why... I'll never forget this is because it's one of it's the first time that a movie ever defeated me because of its content. I I think we made it like a little over an hour in and I was just so appalled and and shook up by it. I mean, I had never seen anything anything like it. And a couple of years later is when that like beautiful Grindhouse DVD came out that I finally watched it and wow, I mean, what a picture. And I guess I'm curious how did you guys first discover cannibal films? Can you remember your first memory? I remember when I was in middle school, I signed up for like some weirdo horror forum and they were talking about movies. And like, of course, like for a middle school kid, I was kind of like steeped in, I knew like Italian horror movie stuff, but they brought up this movie called cannibal Holocaust. And I was like, I never heard of this. And they just made it sound like the most horrific fucking thing in the world. And I was like, I got to get this. And this was before DVD. So the only time you could really find Cannibal Holocaust was like a bootleg because our video store didn't have it. No. And um, there was a bootleg site I liked called Blackest Heart Media. And my 15th birthday was coming up. And I convinced my mom to get me two movies from there because they were pretty pricey. They were like 30 bucks a pop. 
it was Cannibal Holocaust and Bad Taste. So before my wow. 15th birthday, I had a really weird double feature. Wow, that's amazing that <laughs> your mom got you Cannibal Holocaust. I don't think fifth... she knew what well, it was. Well, no, of course, of yeah. course, but... <laughs> I mean, still. it's called Cannibal Holocaust. It doesn't really stretch the imagination. Yeah, to... <laughs> it's, it's like the pieces tagline. It's exactly what you think yeah, it is. Yeah, but I, she just figured it was other, like, Z-grade horror trash that like, yeah. her son liked to and watch. And clearly she, she fucking the... loved you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How about you, Sam? Sort of in a similar way. I mean, I think just from getting into Italian horror, and I certainly... As I've talked about on past episodes, got into things like Fulci and Argeno and Bava before I got into some of these Italian exploitation subgenres. But I heard about Cannibal Holocaust just because of its reputation and naturally found a bootleg, watched it, and I was lucky enough to grow up around exhumed film screenings and I think pretty shortly after I first started watching cannibal movies, they did a screening of Man from Deep River, which is the first official one, which we'll talk about. And so I, they're just like so gorgeous, even the ones that are like secretly shot on a, on a studio set, that seeing them in a theater is a great but really overwhelming experience. And like that Grindhouse DVD you mentioned, they're is a featurette that I am actually in. It's like an Easter egg. You have to know where to look to find it on the disc. But they did this huge sold-out screening of Cannibal Holocaust. Exhumed. Exhumed Films yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, at that point, was going to all the screenings, and usually I would sit in the front row. And so, so because, you know, I'm a maniac. And so there's footage of like me and my other vegetarian friends there ready to watch the, the brutality. Okay. Very excited. So I, I wasn't planning on bringing this up, but in the back of my mind, I was thinking about this. I have a friend who's like a hardcore vegan and he fucking loves cannibal flicks. And, and I swore these movies off ages ago. Like I haven't watched a cannibal movie in years up until like this week and we've just been marathoning them but what do you think it is about her do you think i'm I'm reading into this that a lot of vegetarians everybody i know who loves these movies are vegan or vegetarian and all the people that are like repulsed by them are carnivores which is insane to me because i this is my theory is the reason like most people are vegetarian or vegan is they're well aware of how cruel man is to the animal kingdom yeah, because we all were, you know, minding our own business, walking down a city street when we were 15, and then PETA hands you a bunch of booklets, and you're like, oh my god, that's what happens to chickens? Yeah. <laughs> and I think the people who like to eat meat like to believe that it grows in a store. Yeah. Or a lab or something. Right. You know? And I think you're you're definitely on to something And they're there. just like, oh, no, you know, we wait until the cow dies of a natural death, and then we eat it. Like, yeah. No, that's not how it happens. Nobody wants to eat an old-ass cow. And these movies kind of shatter that delusion. Yeah. Well, I think they also... So I've gotten into this debate before with people online because this is one of my many soapbox things is, like, I don't think you get to be outraged by this animal violence, by animal violence in Cannibal Holocaust and Cannibal Ferox and like the other movies in the subgenre, if you eat meat, because 
factory farming is a thousand million times worse than anything that happens in a cannibal movie. I agree. And but in fairness though, if I found out there was a movie today that was like killing animals for real, I'd be like, I do not want any part of that. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I, I would but, agree with that. Yeah. But these movies were made before I was even born. So yeah, like there's nothing there's... I can do about it. You know what I mean? So they're grandfathered in. Well, I feel like they also have this just totally like unexplainable appeal. Yeah, it, well, to, to me, they feel like Mondo movies at yes, times. And that's and, what they grew out of for sure. Yeah, it's like a Mondo movie crossed with like... Those, a Mondo movie with a loose plot. Yeah, well, the plot of like those like 50s adventure movies, like those ones where like Charlton Heston puts on one of those hats and like walks around the jungle and like gets an army ant attack scene or something or you even know? like the the 30s tarzan movies oh and for sure king kong like yeah which... it, it's like the blend of animal attacks uh mondo movies and just like the most insane italian exploitation cinema which is such a strange marriage and the fact that th these movies were so popular and prolific like you were saying man from deep river is credited as being Basically the first. It's it's 72, that's, Umberto Lenzi. That's what I've always heard is that Umberto Lenzi made Man from Deep River. And I have a, a little theory that I'm sure you guys probably would recognize. So Lenzi makes Man from Deep River. The cannibal genre kind of explodes from there. You get Mountain of the Cannibal Gods. Even in the Emmanuel series is like fucking getting yeah, in the Joe, game. Well, Joe D'Amato was not one to let a subgenre pass him by and like Absolutely hopped on not. that yeah. one. And so, and then from there, like, you know, everyone's kind of getting in the game. And then Ruggiero Diodato makes fucking cannibal holocaust. He just spikes the fucking ball with this insane super controversial film i mean i'm sure people have heard about like the trials that came afterwards and like all this insane stuff and then so here's my theory umberto lenzi who started the genre he sees everyone else doing their remixes and fucking cannibal holocaust just like fucking go into a thousand and he says all right hold my grappa hold my grappa hold my fucking <laughs> you know my espresso i need to go back to the jungle and make Cannibal Ferox, which is, is the movie that we are going to ultimately focus on this it's episode. It's the greatest. I, I agree, but I, I'm pretty sure well, yeah. it's mostly box office more than personal. Like, Well, yeah. no, so I think it's a little more complicated than that. But yes, I think Lindsay was a businessman in some sense and was level-headed enough to engage more with, okay, here's what sells, so I'm just going to make the meanest one of those, rather than, like, just being petty. But their whole, like, back-and-forth drama is so funny. I, I mean, it almost reminds me of the way that Italian football players, like, cry and roll around on the field when, like, somebody spikes them with a soccer ball. Yeah. It's But... <laughs> I love that shit. <laughs> but yeah, it's great. But so basically, the story from Lenzi's perspective is he makes Man from Deep River for this producer. Ivan Rasimov stars in it. It does really well. And the producer says, great, come back, make another movie. It's going to be basically the same cast and crew. And Lenzi's like, okay, you got to, if it was so successful that you want another movie, you have to pay me more. And the producer was like, sorry, no. So 
wanting the same idea, he hired Diodato, who made Jungle Holocaust, which is like three, two or three years after. Yeah, I want to say it's 77. I think it's 76 or 77. But so in Diodato's mind, he made the first real cannibal movie. And because Mm. like the cannibalism in Man from Deep River, it's like it's it's like in passing. Yeah, because the cannibals aren't the tribe that he's chilling with. It's the rival cannibal tribe. And they're only in like two scenes of the movie. But they do get like some. some So it's like flesh eating in there. Yeah. Diodato's got like sort of a point. But I think when he started giving interviews about how he made the first cannibal movie, Lindsay was like, get real, motherfucker. Yeah, and <laughs> and and watching Cannibal Ferox. So this was the first time I, I watched it. It's one that, uh, I mean, I've just I've been so intimidated by this genre. I, I mean, I got to be real. Like I, it, these movies are ones that like I usually I can't turn them off when they're done. You know, I can't eat while I'm watching them. And yeah, like but... they roil my stomach around because they're just so fucking gnarly they're pungent they're fucking yeah cannibal holocaust is one that like i've always been able to see like oh there's some legit subtext going on here and some of those feelings that the movie gives you like we pointed this out today and i think it's it's spot on that cannibal ferox is at times way more graphic than cannibal holocaust at times but for some reason it doesn't quite make me want to fucking vomit you know what i'm saying and i think that's because of the riz ortolani score in cannibal holocaust which like, is just beautiful it's a gorgeous score but like when it's overlaid some of these images it's just like it, it reminds me of this sound that i think my stomach's making when it's bubbling and f- i don't know <laughs> i can't do it yeah it's it's pretty intense but you did okay the other night i mean yeah my i didn't eat much of our italian dinner but I... but you ate some of it yeah yeah my uh somewhat embarrassing much younger and more of an asshole cannibal holocaust story is i you know don't really like dating very much especially like as opposed to, you know, being in a relationship. Dating, it's like often somebody you don't really know and it's this awkward thing. Yeah, everyone's like fucking trying to see what works and they're just like fucking... Not being themselves. Not being themselves yeah. at all. Yeah. Well, so I used to have this rule that like now as an adult is very embarrassing where like if you're a regular person who didn't like extreme horror movies and you wanted to go on a date with me... I would make you watch Cannibal Holocaust first. Jesus Christ. That sounds like some shit that you would do, John. No, no. When I was in high school, I wanted to get laid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think the opposite would quite work the same same way. But but we had a lovely night watching Cannibal Holocaust and eating Italian food. I made homemade garlic bread and... You've come a long way from your rejection of the subgenre is all Did I'm you saying. Have turtle-lini? Jesus fucking Christ. I'm editing that out. There's oh, no way on, that's even. making the final episode. No, you're fucking But yeah, I I think that these movies are ultimately fascinating because it's so there are things about them that 
like the reason okay let me let me start this over the reason why some of these movies are so fascinating is because it doesn't feel cheap at times like they're on location in the amazon and there are times where like a character or and by a character i mean an actor playing you know a part will take their boot off and you'll see like these sores on their feet and it doesn't look like fucking makeup it looks like they got some fucking sores on their feet from being in the jungle and being some like idiot actor who just got recruited for this part in like you know new york or something and and there's this very real realness to them that i mean also the animal killings add to that realness feeling that when they cut to someone getting castrated or getting fucking disemboweled it's like oh yeah this is real i'm watching someone really fucking die and it's because of that that mondo feel that these movies have yeah i think like maybe a sorcerer is the only movie where like you have like sweaty ugly dudes like actually in the jungle and it feels like real yeah even the more mainstream movies like the various king kong movies and indiana jones you mentioned earlier earlier before we recorded we were talking about this really interesting connection between like some of the early adventure movies and Charles brought up that like even the sort of popular ones in the 80s and 90s have this weird kind of similar vibe but in those movies when people are in the jungle they're like maybe somebody misted them a little bit to make them look sweaty yes. but they're not really dirty and sweaty like people are in these fucking cannibal movies yeah, and, and, it's and, like true like dirt under the fingernails gross for sure you know, yeah. it's not sure. just somebody put some black splotches on you and and, and one thing that i think kind of turns me off with some of those more popular like hollywood depictions of like native tribes and jungles and stuff is that the people doing the like the anthropology investigation shit are always done in this like light where it's oh they're adding a social good by being there and none of so these gross. cannibal movies ever have that thesis ever like even when there's like a good anthropologist going there to do some research it's like you're low key rooting for the fucking cannibals because they don't or they're the natives because they don't fucking belong there. And and they and what they're doing is actually kind of like gross. And it makes you like reconsider what National Geographic is fucking doing in the Amazon, you know? Well, it it feels like colonialist exploitation on some level. And something that I think is really interesting about the end of Cannibal Ferox, but also something like Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals is so Emmanuel in that movie. It's one of the many movies in the Emmanuel Nera series, which we will definitely do an episode on at some point. She in most of those movies, she plays this like photographer or journalist who is traveling the world, taking on adventures, having sex with lots of people. Everybody and she by, bumps into. But also most of the time she's just having sex with her real life husband who is also cast in all of these movies. But they're great. In The Last Cannibals, the way it starts off is she's investigating this girl in a mental hospital who attacked a nurse and like bit the nurse's titty off. And the girl has this crazy tattoo right above her bush. And so naturally, Emmanuel's like, okay, she's connected to some tribe in the Amazon. I'm going to find 
this anthropologist to go with me and we're going to investigate what happened here. Where's this girl from? And they come to learn that, okay, she's from this cannibal tribe, but all the things that happen to them are so horrible that by the end of the movie, she's like, I have so much great material for writing an article or even a book on this, but I can't possibly do it and still be a good person. And yeah. Like but, even but so the fucking the dirty people... soft core fucking cannibal movies have enough sense to see how gross this like white gaze, this like, you know, colonial fascination with tribal life, like, or rather like a post-colonial, if you will, fascination with tribal life. It's, it's unsettling. And it, it adds to that stomach churning feeling that these movies have in ways that like are complementary to the disgusting and brutal animal death. And that's what I think is so crazy about so many of these characters is Emmanuel aside, which that movie is like, 70% 70% a softcore movie and yeah, 30% a cannibal movie. It's, on, it's like kind of like a fun hangout movie at times, you know? Like they have a monkey smoking a cigarette. It's fucking chill. It feels like a weird cousin to Dr. Butcher. Like it, it does. It starts in the hospital and then like oh, you kind of gradually get to the cannibals. Yeah. And yeah, they 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 like they're like odd ducks. Yeah. I think the key word in that sentence is gradually. Like <laughs> like I don't mean that it's like a slow boring movie, but it's a hangout. Right. You know, it's a vibe movie, yeah, which is so they're weird. They're chilling in the jungle. Yeah. They're not really in a hurry to get anywhere. Yeah. And they have a nun with them, which like anytime you see a nun in a Joe D'Amato movie, it's like thoughts and prayers, sister. <laughs> uh. And she indeed gets her nipple sliced off by cannibals. The effects are so good, but I'm distracting myself. The original point I was trying to make is, aside from Emmanuel's little dialogue about how she can't possibly turn this into a story and profit off of it, most of the protagonists in these movies are just terrible people who are greedy and want to profit off anything and exploit anything they possibly can. Yeah, I think these movies are just so mean-spirited, which is kind of why I've... Aggressively so. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're aggressively mean-spirited, which is kind of why I've I've shunned them. But now that we have this podcast, it's like, I guess I can't turn a blind eye anymore. To this. You could sit an episode out in the future. <laughs> yeah, I'll take. I'll take the. <laughs> you can take next a pass. <laughs> what did? Which one did you prefer, Cannibal Holocaust or Ferox? Okay, so I'm going somewhere with this. So I didn't mean to give you a gotcha. No, 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 no. I mean, it's so hard to answer that question because, like, I almost want to ask you, like, define prefer. Like, what do you mean yeah, prefer? Yeah, and, and, I, and I don't want to be, like, pedantic or anything, but, like, what do you mean? No, like, which yeah. ones did I prefer? Like, which one upsets me more? Which right. one do I think is more artistic value? Because it's because I think Cannibal Holocaust is the better movie. Like, it's I feel like it's well done. It gets more under my skin because it feels more realistic. Yes. But also, that's one of the reasons why I love Ferox, where it is the trashy grindhouse ripoff yeah it's the party movie you and, know as insofar as it can be but what's kind of funny about ferox is though it's that like a lot of the italian ripoff horror movies they're ripping off like a successful american movie yeah hollywood flick right and then they are this one is just ripping off 
another grody Italian grindhouse yeah. flick. And it's like the fact that it's already mining territory that's already disgusting is what makes this movie even more disgusting. Yeah. Like it was born in filth already. For sure. I mean, it feels like these directors that were working within the cannibal jungle subgenre, whatever you want to call it, kept upping the ante. Like who can make the most extreme jungle flick? And and obviously, Cannibal Holocaust, I'll, I'll put it this way. Cannibal Holocaust is banned in 53 countries. And uh, for those of you keeping track, Cannibal Ferox is only banned in 31. Which, much like we talked about on the Lone Wolf and Cub episode, I'm pretty sure that those numbers are not real. They're inflated. And they're, it's just a marketing ploy. It but when I was a teenager, is. I was like, banned in 51 countries i have to see this i don't know i mean like i I don't want to go through all this they're banned in a lot but yeah those numbers are i feel like this conversation has been done to death with like what happened in the wake of cannibal holocaust and i know a lot of it is true but some of it almost sounds like legend you know like bringing the director to fucking trial well it's like with lizard in a woman's skin when fulci got arrested for the dogs yeah it's I feel like sometimes those kinds of legends and reputations and things like that take away from your ability to just watch the damn movie. Well, yes. They're fun but- factoids after the fact. But if you know them before, they yes. kind of make the movie bigger than it, like higher than it can reach. I wonder if that is is something that made me turn it off beforehand because you didn't just say, here's a movie, kid. When you lent me Cannibal Holocaust, I mean... I'm pretty sure you you put on your William Castle hat and you were like, what I'm giving you is the most, uh, you know, and it's did like a dangerous. whole. I, I, yeah, I, I think maybe. sense of danger. Oh, for sure. It made me fucking it sometimes. Yeah, it's no, I, I, it, yeah, it definitely works both ways with that. I mean, sometimes, yes, when you hype a movie up, like recently I did that for you, John. I hyped a movie up and you watched it and you were like, yeah, it was okay. But other times with these cannibal movies, I feel like they have such an insane reputation and everything you've heard about them is true. Even the bullshit, like everything you've heard about these movies is fucking true. Yeah, I'm also sort of at a loss thinking about John's question because I want to say that my preferred answer is Cannibal Ferox, partly because it's just nasty in a fun way. I mean, it's super nasty, but, and because of my love for Umberto Lenzi, who we'll talk about more a little bit later, but watching them almost back to back, at least like within a couple days of each other, I feel like maybe Cannibal Holocaust is the slightly better film. Yeah. So yeah, it's, I, it, I think it's, yeah, I agree. It's like if you're going to watch just one, it should probably be Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah. If you're going to watch one cannibal movie in your life. But if you're going to watch two, also watch Cannibal Ferox. <laughs> yeah. And if you're going to watch three, holy fuck, you should watch Mountain of the Cannibal Gods, which I, let's put a, a fork in that because I, I, I want to talk about that more later. But, you know, for the sake of, of the episode here, we should talk about. So, okay. We part of how we picked our podcast name is we just like we went through so many ideas and none of them seemed right. And Twitch of the Death Nerve obviously is 
well, not obviously, if you, you know, haven't listened to our show much before and you're not familiar, it's an alternate one of many, one of like 50 alternate titles for Mario Bava's Bay of Blood. And one of my favorite things about some of these Italian movies is like a lot of them have great original titles, but because they were distributed in so many different ways in so many different countries, like in grindhouse theaters and at drive-ins, a lot of the time they just have these like banger titles that have nothing to do with anything. Fuck but yeah, they do. it's like Cannibal Ferox is already such a great title. Ferox means like cruelty, I think, in Latin or like fear. Jesus Christ, I didn't know that. That's fucking sick. Well, the alternate title is even better. Make them die slowly. It's just like make them die slowly. It's, it's a better title than Cannibal Holocaust. Yes, it's it's a more fitting title. It's the most fitting title for a cannibal movie. Yeah, and, and the fact that like that is actually a plot point in in this film. So real quick before we, which is incredible, before we go in, I have. I mean, I know there isn't really much of a need to go too deep into the plot of Cannibal Ferox, aka Make Them Die Slowly, because it's. It's more of a collection of increasingly heinous scenes with like a loose narrative. But nevertheless, for our less intrepid and soft stomach listeners like me, here is a quick plot synopsis. Banned in 31 countries, three friends out to disprove cannibalism meet two men on the run who tortured and enslaved a cannibal tribe to find emeralds. And now the tribe is out for revenge. I feel like you should edit that synopsis so that it instead of they meet two men on the run, it's they meet two supercharged coke heads on the run. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Like these it, it's yeah, it starts off where you have these three like anthropologist type like they're out there on this like, you know, goody two shoe mission to prove that cannibalism isn't real. And these like native tribes in the Amazon are unfairly maligned by you know society. academia society and yeah she's trying to get her phd lorraine DeSalle's character yes yes she wants to totally and a, about a quarter a third of the way through the movie they run into these fucking hopped up dudes in the jungle who are like sweaty but like so sweaty that they would be sweaty in an air-conditioned room it, uh, like in a dry climate. Yeah, one of them <laughs> is played by Giovanni Lombardo Radici, who is the king. Yeah, he's a fucking king for sure, and his his character is fucking awful. Like he is like killing animals for fun. He's like He's, he's like, almost like Klaus Kinski level. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He does have fucking Kinski vibes. Yeah, he's like, he's a very intimidating and gross guy. And there's like a scene where he attempts to like rape a, a native. And it's just like, he's fucking abhorrent. This is only a year after Gates of Hell, right? Yeah. And totally radically different than Bob. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Bob is so sad and you feel so sorry for him and this guy's just such like a piece of shit. Like the polar opposite. Yeah. Which... I mean, even his his character on on in House by the Edge of the Park is like pathetic. Like yeah. he wants to be David Hess's friend and he's yeah. It's yeah, I mean, he still like does like gross stuff in that movie, but you really like feel for him and it's it's yeah, he's he's a great actor and clearly has lots of range. And we love him. And you were telling us this anecdote earlier, John. Oh, his his American stage name, John Morgan, is like really his mother's maiden name. 
And when his family found out, like, his cousin or somebody, like, beat the hell out of him, he was, like, really pissed off about that. Yeah, when they found out that he was, like, using, like, their, you know, their family name. these type of movies. Yeah, to go in his fuck in these, like, gross jungle movies. But also, t- to his credit, there's a scene where his character sticks a knife and i think it was like a a, a, a piglet a, oh yeah a little yeah. fucking piglet and he the worst and i feel like this must be the reason for the make them die slowly title or one of the reasons is like he pulls out a gun to kill the piglet and then like looks at the gun and makes his face like i have a better idea and pulls out a knife yeah instead. and doesn't just fucking like doesn't it, slash its throat yeah no it just, it just starts stabbing him like fucking you know In it's the, the most heinous of animal. all of these but, animal deaths yeah but the thing is is to giovanni sorry giovanni giovanni's credit sorry it's me mario uh, macaroni he apparently when he was asked to do that scene he was like no no i'm not fucking stabbing this goddamn piglet absolutely not so they got some other arm for the close-ups i don't know if this is true but apparently he said to Lindsay, like i absolutely will not do this you're gonna have to get a stunt double and Lindsay was like trying to convince him to be a method actor and said like Robert De Niro would do it. And he responded and said like Robert De Niro would kick your ass all the way back to New York. (laughs) (laughs) Bobby D. This also happened with Robert Kerman in Cannibal Holocaust with the weird muskrat thing. Mm -hmm. He was on set that day. And then all of a sudden, like they were carrying this weird muskrat thing. And then all of a sudden he just saw him stabbing it in the throat and he said he was ready to just walk out that day he was like done but yeah they've already like spent some of his paycheck so he had to stay there's a a scene in in cannibal holocaust it's it's the most uh probably most well-known and shocking scene in in cannibal holocaust which one the impalement (laughs) the the The, vaginal impalement the the rock rape I love how I can say the oh, yeah, most the well rate. known yeah, and shocking scene. I can feel that. I don't even Holocaust. have those parts, and that still makes me like. Ugh. Yeah, the rock rape is pretty brutal. The but what's so the funny is that abortion is brutal too. Yeah. What's great is I'm not talking about any of those I know scenes. you're most likely talking about the turtle. Yes, yeah. I was talking about the turtle scene, but I love how in a movie populated by such reprehensible imagery, it I could can be say, anything. yeah. And in my head, I was like, obviously, it's the fucking turtle scene. Well, the but, turtle gets its head hacked off pretty quickly. Yeah, he does. The, the yeah. turtle does not die slowly. But here's what I was going to say: is like during that scene, the the perpetrators, the actors, the characters that are are doing it are supposed to be these like they're they're the malicious characters in the movie who's like footage you know later turns up and whatnot but there are like close-up cutaways of them trying to act in that scene and like trying to like put on like a malicious face but you can just see pain behind it that it's like they're They're watching grossed out and upset which like doesn't take you out of the movie it puts you in it deeper you know and gives it that mondo feel totally and that's one of the things that i find so fascinating about this subgenre is in some ways they feel so much like mondo movies and there are so many scenes that you could like point out that are in common with earlier mondo films but It seems like there's this weird mix of inexperienced actors, which are mostly the people that you're referring to in Cannibal Holocaust, 
But then like John Morgan, Radice, and Robert Kerman, they're people who were experienced actors who chose to be in multiple cannibal movies. So it's just kind of fascinating to me yeah. that like you do kind of see these same names pop up over and over again, like Ivan Rasimov's in a whole bunch of them. And yeah. Maybe they just paid well, or it was cool to go on this like wild location shoot. I, I think that that had to play into it, that it was, hey, you're not only going to get a little pile of money, but you're going to fucking hang out in the jungle. You're going to be able to do like fresh cocaine, you know, like right off the vine. I also know Robert Kerman really wanted to escape porn. Like, he wanted to be a legit yeah, actor. which is such a shame. I mean, he's great as a porn actor, but I think he really felt frustrated that he could never get, like, non-hardcore roles because right. of it. Yeah, imagine getting out of porn and going <laughs> to the jungle just to watch, like, the director throw a monkey to an anaconda. <laughs> You know, and just being like, listen, don't look up in the trees right now because you're going to see the most beautiful like bird. And I'm not trying to have this fucking bird get killed on my watch right now. But I, I f that sort of makes me think of the point you made earlier when you said like it kind of makes you think about what is actually happening on these National Geographic shoots. Like, yeah. I feel like Cannibal Holocaust Cannibal Ferox and some of the other movies definitely to a degree bring this same issue up. But they all have this idea that, like, the only reason people are here is because they're greedy and there's something for them to exploit. Like, even Mountain of the Cannibal God does this crazy thing where it's like, okay, so I don't think we said this, but basically every cannibal movie follows one of two plots, usually a combo deal, which plot number one, which is Cannibal Ferox, is... You know, these researchers, these academics or or like journalists or filmmakers are going to the jungle to either prove or disprove the existence of cannibals. Plot number two is somebody lost a family member or colleague or loved one in the jungle and now has to go try to find them. And Cannibal Holocaust kind of has like he's going there to find the footage. Yes. But like... Even in Mountain of the Cannibal Gods, it's like she's Ursula Andress's character is like, oh, I have to go find my husband. But really, halfway through the movie, it's revealed that like everybody has a totally hidden, different motivation. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, so. As much as I want to talk about Cannibal Ferox, that was the <laughs> the main thrust of the episode. Fucking Mountain of the Cannibal Gods. Stacy Keach. Stacy Keach. Yeah, Ursula Andress. This movie. Uh, kind of fucking blew me away because I had never seen a cannibal movie wherein with a real plot. Yeah. Where I was so invested in the plot and the momentum and there was like gravitas. Like Stacy Keach is giving an incredible performance. And and Always. and there are like twists and turns and character motivations that you know it like you would find in a top tier adventure film like it's like the fucking 
Disney's Jungle Cruise with a bunch of like animal death thrown it's in. Like you romancing know? the stone. Yeah, it's, ro- it's ro- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you did you know that Stacy Keach was originally supposed to be Father Karras in The Exorcist? I did. Yeah, yeah. that's. Yeah, I, I honestly. So I would like to see that alternate universe. I would too, but I don't think anyone could do Father Karras nearly as good as that fucking weepy eyed dude that was Jason, in Jason Miller. Miller. Yeah, Jason I, Miller. I, I agree, wow. Yeah, but he's, still, I, I'm curious how he would have done it. I mean, he was on to the point where like when they replaced him with Jason Miller, he still had to get paid because yeah. it was like literally like a week before shooting or something yeah. like that. Stacey Keach is a fantastic actor, but like how the fuck did he end up in <laughs> Sergio Martino Cannibal? Well, movie? not just him, but Ursula Andress. Like these two. I can believe that a little more. Yeah. Because was... you're on your way out. You end up in movies like this. Well, she also, even when she was younger, was in some cult movies like she's in Elio Petri's 10th victim and she's incredible in it and wears like the wildest most amazing outfits so I think she had is that the one with the people uh, it's like the assassin game yes yes I forgot all about that it's Marcello Mastroianni who is you know one of the biggest actors in Italian cinema and her in this weirdo assassination game movie with a sun worshiping cult, and it's like they have to try to kill each other so that one of them can win the game. It's it's magic. Do you remember the fembots from Austin Powers Are with the blue guns? Of course, they, they yep. stole that from the tenth, tenth victim. victim from Ursula ah, Andress. I always costume. thought that was like a Stepford Wives rip. But oh, cool! No, it's cool. like literally from the tenth victim, like the the booby gun, not as much yeah. like the robot. Yeah, well, yeah, but the the I guess to bring it back slightly, I what was so crazy about Man from Deep River is that like you would have your standard cannibal movie fair. Mountain of the Cannibal God. I'm sorry. Yeah, in in Mountain of the Cannibal. What did I say? Man, Man, oh, Man from my Deep River. So in in Mountain of the Cannibal God, you would have your standard dirty cannibal movie fair where like some fucking animal just gets ripped up and some fucking like you know mud covered native like runs out with a fucking like spear spear and like and a mask on amazing mask whoever designed that it's so scary yeah. and then they like cut to reaction shots from like ursula andrus and who's and stacy keach uh, well stacy keach does get kind of dirty but ursula andrus does not have a speck of sweat or dirt on it was her. in her contract for yeah. sure and there's that amazing scene in the beginning where like she's in an office and her hair's blowing in the wind, even though they're indoors and no one else's yeah. hair is moving. And, and almost looks like she's lit, like she's in one of those like forties movies. She's, like she's a, lit like fucking uh, like a, Morticia Adams. Yes, yes, yeah. But uh, but looking at it a little closer, I just think it was an unfortunate makeup choice. I don't know if that was lighting. Like it looks. Well, how could you do that kind of lighting outdoors in the jungle? Yeah. It, it, so it must have been some sort of like concealer around her eyes. I, I don't know. know but yeah. it's amazing that she was there. I highly recommend Mountain of the Cannibal God, though. That was... Uh... I think that might actually... It's weird. It's like I want to say that if you are scared of cannibal movies, but you kind of want to check them out, that might be a good place to start. But it also has like non-stop animal death yeah yeah Yeah. i mean all these fucking movies do like there's there's very few exceptions to that rule like that is is baked into the pie with them think of one it's the same thing with mondo movies it's like when they need to fill up some time it's just a leopard's gonna maul somebody yeah 
the one you need to see is uh, Lindsay's follow up to Cannibal Ferox. Eating oh, alive. eating alive. Or is it before? I can't uh, remember. I think it's right after. It's, it's it's him with Ivan Rasimov again. It's the Jonestown Cannibal yeah, it's, movie. Whoa. It's so it's 1980. So it's sorry. It's the year before. Well, um, wasn't there a sequel to Cannibal Ferox? Or I think there's a okay. So. I just had like a light bulb go off in my brain. I don't know the actual answer to this, but I'm pretty sure that one of the video nasties is unrelated to this, but got the title Make Them Die Slowly 2. I can believe that. Okay. Yeah. I, I weirdly remember seeing like a two next to the title of this well, movie. In 2004, for reasons unknown to me, Bruno Mattei decided to make Cannibal Holocaust 2. God bless him. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, already, he, he had already made Terminator 2, so he might as well do Cannibal Holocaust. You love to see it. Uh, I love Bruno Mattei. What, 25 years after the genre had run its course? God he's damn. like, you know, you know what? I feel I take back every bad thing I've ever said about an Italian. Like, holy fuck, these uh, uh, are wonderful, industrious people. Well, that might poke holes into your <laughs> original theory, though, if, if, if Ferox was uh, um, a direct challenge the holocaust if he was already doing it it's eaten alive yeah or it could just be like how fast they make these movies where yeah. animal holocaust came out he's like let's get in this fucking Bang thing two more out yeah. but you know now that we're we're chatting i feel like i almost your question earlier of cannibal holocaust or cannibal ferox my answer has to be cannibal holocaust because it it just fucking knocks me out and it's just like such it's a fucking brutal. intense movie not that cannibal ferox is anything to sneeze at but cannibal holocaust something else but i i think that uh a question that i would almost struggle to answer more in this moment would be mountain of the cannibal god versus cannibal holocaust whoa that's really? you're yeah, crazy you're, you're yeah nuts. you have to leave the podcast right i think you're, and the you're living doing room. this thing you're just you just saw this movie that kind of caught you off guard about like you it was a better yeah. than you thought it would be but it like cannibal holocaust is like it's almost, a masterpiece yeah it's 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 a piece of art not that i don't love sergio martino but yeah also i think one of the things i really like about cannibal ferox is I think it kind of, I don't know if he did this on purpose, but it's almost like it's kind of an inversion of Cannibal Holocaust plot where Cannibal Holocaust, you have these ambitious young filmmakers who are trying to get rich sent into the jungle on this assignment. And of course, the movie reveals that they're just fucking terrible people who aren't these like brave documentarians they're orchestrating these horrifically violent events so that they can make this sensationalist documentary. Cannibal Ferox follows this lady who is writing her dissertation, getting her PhD, is this good-hearted, very naive person with her naive brother and friend. And like you said earlier, Charles, they go into the jungle thinking, we are going to do this really good thing for these people where we're doing this sort of morally superior thing and it has the same fucking results as cannibal holocaust plot so it's yeah. sort of i feel like it's a little bit more subversive because in, in a way because it says like even if you're going there with good intentions 
you're still in a place where you don't belong or understand and you're going to wind up fucking shit up. I have a question for both of you, though. Do you think that she was right and there actually is no cannibals? Yeah. And it was Giovanni Lombardo Radici's so-called civilized man and all his like nasty shit that just like made them revert back to that just to strike back at him. That's basically Cannibal Holocaust too. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah. Gio- so what 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 his character does is gets word that there is a deposit of emeralds in this area, and he follows uh, some local tribesmen back to the area, and they are like panning for emeralds in these like silt deposits. They build this little structure for you know. My or pan mining and out of his mind on cocaine the whole time he's getting hopped up and the more they don't find any emeralds he just becomes like a torturous evil guy to he everybody becomes klaus kinski yeah he, he goes full kinski and then when he links up later with the doe-eyed young grad academic students, grad yeah. students who are there on like you know their mission of godly academia of peace and goodwill that that the the tries people they were going to get their fucking revenge because usually the way these movies define the ritualistic cannibalism is if someone kills one of theirs they will kill one of them and like eat their fucking heart or like eat their fucking dick it's not like they're like cooking up bodies and eating them for like food on a friday night ritualistic yeah where it's i mean and that like to me like i fucking get that like if someone fucking like killed my cat oh i would eat their heart in a second oh no i'm doing doing that dick chopping yeah i'm gonna make them die slowly you know but i mean (laughs) and i think that because this movie it it feels like or cannibal ferox it feels like a revenge film but the people that are getting the revenge are just like we don't care what why you're here you're here and we've just been fucking violated by someone who looks just like you so fuck it you know our revenge is casting a wide net and that's the thing that i find fascinating about these movies is there is a long history in cinema especially you know, North American and European cinema where, and certainly lots of different kinds of Asian cinema as well, where indigenous peoples are not portrayed with any kind of truth or accuracy. The depictions are super racist. But in these movies, I think it doesn't bother me because the movies are saying like, here is a culture that you don't understand, you don't know anything about, you don't have any respect for, and you should. And so it's like, even though they're really dated and like, you can't watch these movies and think like this is any, you know, fairly researched portrayal of South American yeah. indigenous they're cultures. They're Italian exploitation it's, films. It's yeah. respectful caricature. Does that yes. make sense? I yeah. feel like that's the best way to describe it. And the whole point of the movie is not to show, like, look at how primitive and stupid these people are with their rituals. The point is, look at how fucking terrible Americans and Italians yeah. are. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I love to laugh at, because it's so fucking funny, the closing line of Cannibal Holocaust. It's the greatest. I wonder who the real cannibals are. It's the greatest. It really does 
it says everything that the genre is trying to say in a way that is funny and is also exactly the thesis of them it's the whole thesis like you You can write a book arguing that this is this like nasty exploitation subgenre is really they all have the same kind of anti-imperialist anti-colonialist anti-capitalist message and that could be the title yes because the the the, real cannibals the the point of imperialism (laughs) which is you know the highest stage of capitalism is to cannibalize the resources of other nations in order to make yourself wealthy you know they're going in somewhere else and they're just like eating up they're like getting the fucking emeralds getting the footage getting the research whatever it is they can do to advance themselves they're fucking cannibalizing these people and like and yeah so when they fucking go in there like yeah reply in kind an eye for an eye you know it's it's like the movies are like having their cake and eat it too where yeah. they're, like, they're saying like oh like the white people are evil but also these uh look at all the fucking these tribes and their disgusting torture things and as a sicko pervert i allow it yeah, yeah. oh as long yeah as i get my fucking bloodlust oh my gosh yeah yo the fucking crazy like torture devices in these movies are fucking nuts. My favorite by far is in Cannibal Ferox when they put then they fucking finally put uh Giovanni Lombardo Radici. Oh, in the scalp remover? Yes, they, they yeah. But th- and this is after they castrate him. He goes through it and yeah, virtually deserves it. For sure. And, and like I love how they deliberately uh cauterize his like penal wounds so that he doesn't die. Yeah, so they keep him alive a little longer. But when they do finally ice him, they like put him in this like head box trap. It's much like the monkey brain eating from Faces of Death. Yes. Yes. It's a lot like that. And I feel like that sort of technological advancement alone, it's like these are not a primitive people. They're just chilling, living their lives until this coked up idiot ruins everything in his search for emeralds and more coke. Yeah. Oh, I'm an idiot. It actually is. they, They cut a monkey's head off with it in Man from Deep River. Oh I just, yeah, yes. I just rewatched so Man that from Deep he River. can eat the yeah. That's yeah. like one of his like initiations. Man from Deep River is just a man called Horse, but in the in the cannibal movie genre. Yeah, so it's like sorry, s- say that in a way that I'll understand. It's basically dances with wolves of the cannibal oh, genre. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you talking? Is it like the Last Samurai of the cannibal oh, genre? Avatar. Oh my god! It's the, Avatar. Stop it's the it. Avatar of the cannibal. Stop it. <laughs> The Last Samurai centers around Tom Cruise, a Civil War veteran who goes to Japan and teaches the Emperor's troops how to fight. Mr. No, no. Another movie that I was offended by. I mean, Hollywood is crazy. The Last Samurai starring Tom Cruise. Mm -hmm. He's the Last Samurai. Mm -hmm. Give me a break. That movie was offensive. I mean, Hollywood is crazy. First, they had the Mexican with Brad Pitt, and now they've got the Last Samurai with Tom Cruise. Well, I've written the film. Maybe they'll maybe they'll produce my film, The Last Nigger on Earth, oh. starring Tom Hanks. How about that? So it's like a basically like a, a white guy gets assimilated into. Yeah, he's. Um, he realizes that regular mainstream. White society is terrible. Well, well, he gets he's in Thailand and he acts he gets in a bar fight and stabs this guy to death. So and he's already like planning to go in the jungle anyway. So he kind of like 
pays people off to not see him go into the jungle. So that helps the fact that he gets lost and nobody knows where he's at. And he just, yeah, he gets locked in with this tribe who won't let him escape. And, and then he meets Mei Mei Lai, yes. an actress who's in a bunch of these movies, and she's gorgeous. And so he's like, well, I guess I'm I guess I live here now. So I, I might have to cut this bit because I'm, I just like read an article like a week ago and I don't know if this is fucking bullshit or not. But I was reading about the son of a Rockefeller who was like one of these students in one of these cannibal movies who fucking like wanted to go do fucking research in some like uncontacted tribe like off like Sri Lanka or somewhere like that or like off the coast of Madagascar some like little island tribe and basically he was never fucking seen from again and uh his Rockefeller super rich one of the wealthiest like you know people ever is like I'm gonna find my kid and goes on this 11 day deep search to find him and he's like at he's like you know they're fucking doing like what i imagine is like fucking crazy torturous interviews they're reliving the plot of mountain of the cannibal god yeah where they're like fucking holding down like they'll be like yo you know doing their fucking best liam neeson impersonation or something they never find the kid and then so this is where you know wiggle diggle doodle doodle i don't know if any of this shit is true there is this like blurry video from like seven years later of someone trying to contact this tribe and the tribe is like throwing fucking spears at him and shit and there's a fucking white guy there who's like bearded up and and there's like this like going theory that young Rockefeller who's like in this like you know fucking abhorrent super rich American evil capitalist family is like how do I get out of here and what is the complete polar opposite of that obscene wealth but to live in a minimalistic tribalistic like good for him it's this is true take this with a pound of salt but I was thinking it was going to end like that missionary who like had to turn all those uh, oh, that yeah. tribe into Jesus. Oh, oh I God. love that. Just I love like, that. Uh, yeah, there's like bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. I remember when that happened? That would have if that happened forty years ago. That would have been the, my favorite cannibal movie. Yeah, and that's I think what makes some of these so enjoyable is. You're just rooting for the cannibals or the movies where there are no real cannibals. You're rooting for the native tribes. Like, just please, these people are terrible. Put them out of our misery. Yeah, it's like in the most graphic ways possible. Yeah, it's like the witch movies that we watched last week where you think like, oh, yeah, like you don't want like this hapless detective or this like young student to, you know get all their blood drained out for some like ritual but it's like you kind of do you do because the people like that are doing these rituals they're like in the right they're like in In a manner of in a matter uh, yeah (laughs) 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 yeah well (laughs) stay away from the green inferno of the amazon jungle Four Americans plunge into the savagery of the Amazon jungle to film a documentary. They never come back. Are they still alive? If so, where are they? Shocking. Actually filmed in the Amazon jungle. 
Starts this coming Friday at the Town Theater. Due to shocking scenes of violence, no one under 17 will be admitted. It's horrible. I can't understand the reason for such cruelty. Cannibal Holocaust. Coming Friday to a theater near you. Uh, can I tell you something that will probably make you happy? Yeah, of course. Speaking of Cannibal Ferox, uh, and sort of in line with the political themes we've been talking about. So I don't know about Diodato and his politics, but Lindsay was like an outspoken, avowed anarchist. Whoa. And I think you... Like, while he's not really given credit for having the same kind of, like, auteur style as people like Bava or Argeno, I feel like that, those kinds of political themes run through so many of his movies. And he, you know, didn't just make cannibal movies. He made, like, Poliziotesky movies. He made some of the very first Jalo films, even though he's not given credit for it. So I just always need to, like... Yeah. speak out and defend him because i love him and i don't like that he's so underrated for sure i feel like we should definitely cover Lindsay more thoughtfully in the future yeah i know that we've talked for a while now about doing a poliziotesky episode like he directed almost human oh hell is, yeah 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 a oh, lot yeah. of a lot of his movies are about how rich people are terrible and bring things on themselves damn i like that There's, guy I remember you telling me that, and which blew my mind because I always thought Lindsay was like the right wing Italian exploitation guy. Because and, his movies are so exploitative. Yeah, that like and like doesn't mind butchering animals, always trying to like ride a genre for a buck. But even his police attack, he has that like that right wing like vigilante like, yo, the only th way to clean up the streets is if the cops just gun down the fucking criminals. And like I, th these are very like surface level, you yeah. know. But yeah, that's that's still isn't that like, wild? Yeah, that, I and mean, the, at the same Italian time, there's a guy satire, still trying to make a living. You yeah, know? but Italian satire cuts different. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and it's I feel like it's it's not nearly as on the nose or obvious, especially when you're working within like a system, you know. Also, just how mean spirited and like the thrill of the kill of the movies are. Not just like Cannibal Ferox, but like. I fucking love City of the Walking Dead. Uh, yeah. And there are, like, kills in that movie that are completely unrelated to the plot. They're just like, no, let's just add some extra butchery. Like, when all the zombies raid the hospital. Oh, yeah. yeah. And there's one scene where this nurse is, like, is trying to run away. And you just get this, like, 30-second chase of this one zombie just, like, really letting her have it yeah sam was saying the other day that since we've covered uh city of the living dead and now city of the dead that yes. ultimately we have to do an episode on city of the walking dead it's, we do it's, it's yeah a, an all-time favorite for me and before i get off my high horse i feel like a lot of or at least i've seen a lot of people talk about these movies as being like for dudes for dudes who just like gross things and Fucking Umberto Lenzi's wife, Olga, co-wrote most of his movies and didn't get any credit for it. So it's like, come on now. Yeah. I, it's not always what you think. I don't think the male gaze is just for the male. I think like even like, no. like, like I think girls even enjoy ironically. You know what I mean? Like they're like, oh, this is a dude thing. And they, they think it's charming. Or it's just get into it. Some of us who are queer also like oh, seeing naked yeah, women. Yeah. yeah, check it out. I got to piss so bad. Okay. Sorry. After these messages, we'll be right back. Okay. Where, where were we? Uh, 
I got. I was a, talking about Olga and that's right. The male, the gaze. male gaze. I was thinking, if you guys want, we can kind of just get to the final bit, which is the like final countdown. <laughs> Uh, is there anything else we want to say about Cannibal Ferox before we go? I just think it's fucking... No, I think I really want to talk about Lindsay's career, but like, if we're going to do... Yeah, this is our Cannibal episode. Like, yeah. Lindsay's obviously important, yeah, it, it but like... It seems like it would be a tangent yeah, coming like, at the end. And we have... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm good. Okay. Uh, he just passed away recently. Yeah, like two or three yeah. years ago, and... The fucking drive-in did a Lindsay weekend with all 35 millimeter stuff, and I couldn't go, and I was so bummed. So hopefully somebody will do a Lindsay retrospective, because while I've seen Man from Deep River and Cannibal Holocaust in the theater, I've never seen Cannibal Ferox in a theater. So programmers, if you're listening. Yeah, make this young girl's dream come true. Make make us watch slowly. (laughs) (laughs) That's a question. Do you think that it's going to be very rare to see one of these movies in the theater? I, I know Grindhouse t- um, releasing puts out Cannibal Holocaust every now and then. Yeah, but the Cannibal Holocaust screening I was at 20 years ago was this like huge big to-do where... And 20 years ago, there were no such thing as trigger warnings. And they gave like extensive trigger warnings and people still walked out. And it's like, you're at a movie called Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah. But the thing is, though, is that, I mean, even like what happened with me when I was a kid, like you fucking definitely told me that this was going to be a gnarly movie. And then when you put it on, like just the level that it gets to is no trigger warning can give it justice. Like if you say like, oh, hey, animals get killed, there's going to be rape. And you're like, hey, listen, uh, I've had a pet dog die. And I've seen some fucking dirty movies, but like this is just yeah. But seeing a dirty movie, even one that has like implied rape scenes, and then seeing a lady vaginally impaled on a stake, it's like they're two different things. They're two different fucking things. And I guess this kind of brings me to what is ultimately the question that I want to close the show on, and something that I'm really like. I know obviously we've had this like conversation that shows that the genre is with merit but i'm still curious to whom if anyone would you recommend these movies to anyone who appreciates art (laughs) the art appreciators out there come on cannibal holocaust it it's gorgeous it's gross but it's a beautiful film it has some really incredible shots and it's like it's horrifying for a reason because it has all these messages about colonialism, like we were saying, yeah. and also media and the way that media is like warped and manipulated. I kind of look at Cannibal Holocaust as like the like extreme gore hounds, like rite of passage. Movie. Oh, yeah. There's that, too. You know, it's like th- when you're in high school and like, let's see how deep you're going to go into this world. You cannibal holocaust is like that. You have to have that ritualistic viewing of it. Yeah, I flunked my first exam for Ooh, sure. Many people do, you know. And like I like I have two normie friends that that love horror movies, and they saw Cannibal Holocaust, and that's as far as they went. Like for like really sicko shit. Yeah, and once you make it through Cannibal Holocaust, then you graduate to Solo. Yes, which 
you know, I think even fewer people are able to sit through. Oh, Our I solo can, well, episode is coming. I can I can make it through solo because it's I can make through anything when I know it's fantasy. When like real animal death happened, like Wild Beasts was hard for me. Oh, but Wild Beasts is so good. Oh, it's great. I love it. But, but the like, rats, yeah. Yes. Okay. Like, well, I, I'm sorry. I kind of want to push back. I mean, obviously, I agree that Cannibal Holocaust is art. And that people who appreciate art could appreciate it, possibly. I mean, I'm being but a little bit of an asshole, I but, know, but I, I also stand but by it. I guess what I what I mean to say is that, and also like, <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm going to argue with myself here. And like good art, you need to look at it again. Like Cannibal Holocaust is a movie that I feel like it's very, very hard to sit through once. In order to actually fully appreciate its artistic merits, you need to watch it again. Because there's so much going on that's not on the surface of the film that is so easy to just lose sight of when you're when you're watching a fucking turtle get just ripped apart. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it's So no, I do know what you're saying. And it's funny because like my comment about like how this is an art film and what you just said it reminds me of do either of you know what vienna actionism is no no it's an extreme art movement from the 70s that mostly was started by these artists from vienna uh one of the like forerunners of the movement this guy named herman nitsch just died a couple days ago which is why i'm thinking about this but He's somebody who continued to do exhibits and events up until recently and frequently got them shut down because a lot of the time they were these really graphic paintings made with animal blood. And they they have the same kind of impact that Cannibal Holocaust does where you're just like, like you described watching that turtle it's like you kind of think to yourself like this is so beyond what I'm used to seeing even in horror movies like this is real should this exist should I be watching it and I think that feeling of horror especially to the actionists is like something that they're going for like what we were talking about earlier where sometimes this extreme art reminds you of how horrific just regular everyday society that you're used to actually is but it's also like you're watching a turtle be gutted does the fact that all these animals are used for food for the tribes help a lot that's what helps me yeah a bit. that helps me too but it's also like the scenes that are hardest for me to watch are just what we were talking like if i'm watching a snake eat a muskrat it's like, yeah, the, the snake's going to eat. Right. Like, this is a natural thing. But, like, watching somebody just, like, stab a piglet in the ribs a bunch of times, like... No, that feels like snuff to yeah. me. Yeah. Yes, it's, that's that feel, it, it's it feels bad. Death. Yeah. And, like, hopefully they ate that piglet afterwards, but also, like, it's a piglet. Yeah. Like, who's how many people is it feeding? Like, the turtle... It's gross because people aren't used to looking at intestines, but like the head is chopped off within a second. It yeah. can't feel anything. Oh, so They're clearly listen, I, I have, you know, my parents have a farm. I have killed chickens and turkeys. And cannibal holocaust is a problem. 
No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, you know what I mean though. But well, I'm not trying to be, even be coy here. But that, like, it seems. Yeah. Well, well, to me, the justification is, is that like we killed them for sustenance, and and that is why like there are scenes in these movies where it's like, it, like sometimes yes, it looks like they're eating the things that they're killing. Especially there's another turtle scene in Cannibal Ferox that's way less effective than the one in Cannibal Holocaust. Where in Cannibal Holocaust, it looks like they cut off the turtle's head and its legs and just jiggled its fucking guts around. And and, and the it, one actress throws up. Yeah, yeah. and, and it, it, it feels to me at times when they're making these movies is they have the movie that they're making. And then the, the filmmakers are like, oh, hey, look, I found a snake in the jungle. Like, let's hang on to this snake. And oh, hey, look, we found a fucking muskrat or whatever. Let's just fucking throw this muskrat at this name or, or or something like that. It just feels as if like the animal death and things like that are it's just there to make the movie more impactful or I don't know. It's 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 exploitation for sure. It's, it it's is. nasty I, I just fucking think, like, cinema. I, I know a, like the the people like the people in the tribes in these movies were people in actual tribes. I know like they ate whatever they killed. Not that it makes it easier to watch, but like it's not like they just threw it out in the trash afterwards. Yeah. And it yeah. just makes it, it, it makes it go down a little easier for me. Yeah. It's, I, it's definitely, I think for a lot of people, the slipperiest slope in terms of cult movies, because like we've talked about in past episodes, I, think a lot of people have trouble with rape scenes but like knowing that they're not real i think allows other people like us to watch them and like be impacted but like it's just a movie whereas the animal death sometimes like uh when we watched emmanuel and the last cannibals there's a scene where a snake gets killed but I don't they think the didn't. snake like Mm-mm. they cut so fast and it looks like they just like put ketchup on totally. the snake's it, head. It, it was I, honey. It was- <laughs> <laughs> they they definitely did not kill that snake because if they did, they would have made a whole fucking to do about it. You know, like they yeah. show off that stuff when it happens. So if it's like really quick and like on the side and, and it's like a big beautiful snake, they didn't really fucking do it. And we have made this joke on the show so many we, times we explain that we need to explain an inside joke because it's 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 rude to do a public show and have an inside fucking joke but whenever Wait, should we save it for our episode no let's get this out of the way now <laughs> yeah we're, we're, we're here talking about we're animal here cruelty. we're not gonna cover animal cruelty this deeply for a while but i hope not but here let me <laughs> so in in the wonderful family comedy uh, <laughs> men behind the sun men behind the sun there is a scene where there's like a giant fucking vat in the ground filled with rats and these imperial japanese war criminals throw a cat into the vat of rats and the starving rats, rats. yeah yeah and it's it's a brutal scene and later, the director came under fire for quite a few things in the film. But one of the things he came under fire for was this scene of animal cruelty against this cat. And he, like, the cat gets fucking eaten by these rats, you know. And but but the thing is though, and and the and the reason why this is all okay, uh, <laughs> is because he brought the cat to trial and said, "No, look, we just put honey on the cat, and the rats." They were just licking the honey off him, 
movie magic, baby. <laughs> but, <laughs> but this is also so now every time I'm watching a movie with John and like suddenly like I can see him go, uh oh, you know, when like a fucking some animals getting hurt. I'm like, don't worry, Johnny. They just put honey it, on them. It's it's not even it's not even just movies. Like we'll drive past a piece of roadkill and we'll be like, oh, it's just honey. <laughs> Wait, but that's not what happened there. The cat really did get eaten. The, the yeah, cat, the yeah. Cat, yeah. The cat no really got eaten. The honey defense no, is... No, Mouton Fay was like, yo, this is a cat that, that happens to look exactly like yeah. the cat Are you in the kidding movie. Me? Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Whiskers is doing fine. Yeah. The honey really moisturized his coat. He loves it. <laughs> that's completely, yeah, different from the cannibal. I think that's, like, a much more heinous. Well, I... Yeah, it's... Well, have you seen Men Behind the Sun? I, I can't because of that scene. Oh, we're going to watch I mean, I know one day it. I will. Well, you yeah. haven't seen Men Behind I've, the I've Sun? I've owned it. I've literally owned this movie for almost 20 years. Well, how are we going to do an episode I mean, I will. When the time it. comes, I will. What's so... Okay, like, this is... I, I, it's, just, it's just... That's that cat scene. It's I not, love this. That I, I, I always feel like on the show, I'm playing the foil of, of the I, outraged, I, I, so, you know, pro-clutcher. So, so, like, I mean, like, it's unfair slightly because, like, cats are my favorite animals. So I'm watching all these cannibal movies. And, like, I love turtles and shit. Like, I love all animals. But, like... They mostly get killed pretty quickly. And even the ones where it does linger, it's still within like less than a minute. But the fact of getting torn apart alive, it just seems so extra fucking like. Well, it's like the the rats that are actually set on fire in Wild Beasts. Yes. And Hunchback of the Morgue. And like, I'm like, in in fairness, I've seen both those movies, but I didn't know those scenes. Yeah. Knowing knowing it beforehand does. It it, builds it up. It's no, it's been built up in my head that like I know the scene. I've never seen it, but like I've seen it in my head and it's always your mind's eye is always much worse. All right, guys, you got any shout outs? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I know I'm going to see it eventually. I'm just not. Yeah, we'll we'll, it. we'll we'll save it for your birthday. Are were we you, done? Is that it? Yeah. Were you serious about us having shout outs? Yeah, we're at hour 22. So I do have a shout out. This company, this publishing company that I've worked with before called House of Leaves. They are coming out with a new book called Filtered Reality, The Progenitors and Evolution of Found Footage Horror which is this collection of essays from some really great writers and film historians. Uh, Rob Scavarla, a friend of the show who we've talked about before, he's got an essay in there, as do other people I've worked with, like Alexandra Heller-Nicholas and Rebecca Booth, who co-edited the book. And I, weirdly, I'm not a big fan of found footage horror, but the book has really interesting angles that it covers, like mm. they talk about like Bigfoot movies and that. So my, my essay is the very first in the book. And I talk about Dracula and um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and Victorian Gothic horror novels, epistolary novels, which if you don't oh, know what that means, where they find like a text. Yes. Oh, so novels that a lot of the plot is carried out. Like Dracula is all these journal entries and letters and newspaper articles and that's what epistolary means and so i'm writing about that as 
being kind of a precursor to found footage horror films. Well, is this book out? I think you can order it now. I'm not sure if it's shipping yet, but if you just search for House of Leaves Publishing, you can find it. We can put a link in the show notes. But earlier we were talking about Stacey Keach. Their first book is called Scared Sacred, and it's all about religion in horror movies. And I wrote Ninth a chapter about Ninth Configuration. Oh, you did? Really? Yeah. And William Peter Blatty and like his work as a writer, but also specifically as a director. So there's some Stacey Keach in there. So the first book is Filtered Reality, The Progenitors and Evolution of Found Footage Horror. And you should check it out. Yeah, that is sick. I have a quick question. This goes back to your like found text Victorian books. Mm-hmm. I knew there was a title for this type of like subgenre, for lack of a better term. It's you got like eight guys in like a gentleman's club. Oh yeah, and two of them are like talk, telling a story, and then like a third guy listens in and he tells them something that he heard like overheard and like then like a fourth guy comes in and is like actually that reminds me of and they all build up this awful horror story because they all have like a little bit of information i forget what it's called well there's a name for that yes yes i, I forget what it's called but i am working on a project that i can't talk about yet but will soon and was just reading this really amazing collection of edogawa rampo stories he's this Japanese kind of detective crime weird fiction author and he has a great story like that where it's like these guys gather at a club just to tell scary stories I forget what it's called when it's not written down which is epistolary but when it's stories spoken aloud within the story this is so cool. I I never never even even Call of Cthulhu has yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, a lot yeah. of Lovecraft but, does. But there's there's an actual like term for that. Oh and wow. I can't remember what it is. It's you know where I bet we could probably find that. Remember TV tropes? Where oh, it was like yeah. all I love of the TV tropes. It was great. It was all of the like standard plot devices with names that were so fitting that were like, oh yeah, of course it's called that. This like you know. Yeah, right. sometimes I, I love I, that stuff. I, sometimes I read their site when I'm bored, just because they have such great descriptive terms. But yeah, if you're listening and you remember what that's called, <laughs> yeah, let us know. Tell us. Also, uh, Sam's got a Patreon for three bucks a month. You get the episodes early, six bucks, and you get a bunch of video essays and audio commentaries. And also, I'm not sure if we're ready to announce this yet, so I'll just cut it out if it's too soon. But we're considering producing more Death Nerve content for Sam's Patreon. Like, occasionally there are are topics that we either don't get to in an episode or are just kind of off our standard beat. So the plan is after after we record, we, you know, take a little break, crack a seltzer, you know, pour eat a little some mushrooms. wine, eat some mushrooms, <laughs> get a little loose, and then kind of come back and record just us. I, I don't want to say shooting the shit, but... Having our side discussions that yeah. we really want to talk about that don't fit into like a movie episode. for sure because i feel like our our conversations on the show are just so focused that of course we, we go on tangents and we have fun and it, it is a, a loose show but i think what these bonus episodes for lack of a better word would be is you know more of that more you freewheeling yeah yeah yes. totally totally maybe sometimes more whimsical yeah so i mean and and also i i want to say that uh 
this episode, like those episodes would come out like in between our real episodes. Our so every week you'll be getting new Twitch of the Death Nerve content. Yeah, it would it would be yeah, whether whether it's like an official episode or a week in between, it would be. You know, yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, like, the episode it'll come out between our usual. So drops. every week you can pretend to have friends. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> and and I mean like yeah, consider it the fun half. We're gonna let our hair down. We're gonna set our notes on fire. Throw away our books. Rally in the street. But I, I do want to say that for all of our like casual listeners who like don't give two shits to hear us like crack jokes or wax poetic about fucking i don't know like a doctor strange movie i don't know what the fuck we're gonna talk about i got no idea it probably won't be that but Can i mean it not it, be <laughs> the real show it's it's not going anywhere it will never be paywalled and it will come out like clockwork every other thursday uh, it's it's not going anywhere you know i just wanted to let that out. We're just going to have, you know, fun, loosey-goosey bonus ep- episodes that if you want to sign up for Sam's Patreon, you would get, you know, access to our episodes early, the bonus episodes, select scene commentaries, essays, a monthly newsletter, eh, a lot of stuff for a low, low price. I feel like a fucking asshole saying this shit. But yeah. I, I can never do it, though, so it's... Yeah, I, I mean... It, it, yeah, I'm not going to be a fucking beggar, but, you know, the show's a lot of work. If you like it, please. Also, if we have more Patreons, then Charles doesn't have to work his hell job. Oh, my fucking God. I just got this <laughs> job. It's the worst thing in the world. I'm not getting paid any fucking money. They just blast Third Eye Blind at, like, the highest fucking volume for hours. And What's I gotta Third sweat. Eye Blind's big hit? I know the the, the, the doot, band. Doot, 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 oh, doot. Yeah. oh, my God. Wow. I don't know what it's called, but... Right, I know that yeah. song, though. Yeah, and, and, and if you can't afford to throw us a bone... Give us a like, give us a review. That helps us connect to more listeners. And Also, we love when people reach out to us individually or through our main account on Instagram and, you know, s- suggest things you want to hear about. Like, No, seriously. The fucking... Hearing and, from people is my favorite. And the amount of fucking, like, love people have been giving us, like, recommending us Santo movies and, like, saying, like, yo... You guys turned me on to Category 3 movies, and I'm like, yo, I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> it's a curse. But, like, yeah, that's fucking life-bringing stuff, and, and, yeah, we love you guys. We do. Sick. You got nothing nice. You hate them. You hate No, I don't. You I resent don't. every single person who tunes in, that's, don't you, John? That's not... Just call them subhuman gutter dwellers, why don't you? (laughs) Can you end the episode with the romantic cannibal holocaust music? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Alright, so long everybody.